Jeremiah 6.16 says these words. I want you to look at it. It's on the screens. It's awesome. It says, stand at the crossroads and look. Then ask for the ancient paths. Ask where the good way is and walk in it and you will find rest for your souls. Listen to the guys. Your destiny is down that ancient path and your purpose becomes part of you as you start to take steps down that path. You, you ask, where is that good path? And when you begin to walk in it, you'll begin discovering your purpose and doing your purpose on the journey. And at the same time, you find rest for your souls, which is emotional rest, mental rest, and it's yours simply because you choose the ancient path and you're walking in your purpose. But, but in order to walk on this path today, I want to talk about something else. It's called risks. And today I'm challenging you to take a risk because you have no idea how wonderful the reward just might be. But if you take no risk, reward will never be grasped. You, you, you have a destiny, you have a purpose, but if you don't act and if you don't take a risk, you are actually shortchanging yourself. So here are some questions I want to ask you today. Listen to these questions. What is the risk that you're supposed to take? Why aren't you taking it? And what reward might you be missing? <clears throat> when I made the choice to <clears throat> establish this church here, downtown Fort Worth, I know for, for me personally, it was a huge risk, and really it still is, but the truth is, is the reward has been unparalleled for me than anything I've ever done in my life, honestly. Uh, you, you still think about it, city life, we're, we're right in the center of the highest density neighborhood in the city, both residentially and with business. In our one mile radius just around this building, we, have, we are actually in the midst of the most unchurched neighborhood in our city. We're also in the midst of the, uh, the most economically diverse neighborhood in the city. And, and, and at the same time, we're right at the center, right at the heart of America's fastest growing large city. It's really quite amazing where we are and where God has allowed us to put our roots down. Uh, City Life, we started small, very, very small. We're still small. But, but from the beginning and, and today as well, here's a key, is we dream big. See, the, the story even of City Life is risk equals reward. First of all, for me, 45-year-olds don't do church plants. I know you may not understand how all that works, but you just don't find 45-year-olds that just that do a church plant. And, and I've been told this, and I, it's part of the training. It's like, no, you can't do that. You're, you're not supposed to do that. You're not at the right age. Because at that age in your life, you have high family demands, you have very intense uh, income needs, the physical demands also of, of, of doing it just doesn't all balance out. Plus, after we, after we had gotten started here and made the commitment to do this, I then found out that between 85 to 90% of downtown church plants in America fail within the first three years. You're talking about bad odds? Hello? But thank God, because of God, we've beat the odds. And, and we, we never did this for the purpose of novelty. We, 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 uh, we didn't intend to establish something cool or trendy. That's never been our heart. 
basically it was this. We're just going to make a huge risk to establish this church. And, and honestly, here's a key. We felt from the beginning we needed to do something essential. And that was keep it simple. So we as a church, we're Bible-based and Jesus-focused. And as a result of that, God's changing lives here. People are coming to Christ. Families are being restored. Hurts and wounds are being healed. People are discovering their purpose and their destiny. And we're penetrating this very, very challenging neighborhood in ways that we couldn't even imagine that we could have done a few years ago. It, we're just simple. We're a simple church and we're a focused church. And as a result of this, God has opened up a huge door of influence in our city that still amazes me. And it's not because we as a church have a hundred different programs going on all the time that actually simple and focused doesn't allow for that. Basically what we do is we allow our leadership and our influence to work outside of this building and, and, and God has even allowed us to network all of the compassion activities here in our city and, and so much of it has happened over this past week. You know, the truth is when the city leaders and the mayor begin using scripture to describe what they want their city to be and I've given in the scriptures to say, we are fulfilling our purpose, guys. We are influencing the influencers, which is something we said from the very beginning. It's our destiny. It's our purpose. Today actually wraps up something that, that uh, just an idea that I dreamed up last summer called the Mayor's Week of Compassionate Service. And as a result of this, over 100 organizations in town have put together 160 projects citywide over the past eight days. You know, that is reward for our city. That's a reward for the kingdom. And truth is, I am rewarding myself because tomorrow I'm taking a day off. <laughs> yeah, my wife cheered the loudest. But, but the cool thing is, you've seen the pictures up here. This is just of some of the businesses and groups here from City Life that participated. These are pictures of activities initiated for the Mayor's Week of Compassionate Service from City Lifers last week. You know, <clears throat> but what's our strategy? What's our strategy? Well, it's quite basic. We know our destiny and our purpose as a church. We've even made it clear by writing it out and we keep it simple. We preach it, we teach it, we do it. We take it out into the marketplace. And we, you know, we, we, we choose to not just do the, do the thing of well, we're gonna sit around and talk about it and talk about it and plan about it and strategize and talk some more and have some more meetings and discuss some things and pray about some things, think about some things, come back and pray about them again and then talk about it a little bit more and think about it a little bit more and then think, okay, God, open a door for us. No, we just read it in the Bible, talk about it, preach it, teach it, get out and do it. And it's pretty simple. It actually is revolutionary. Because we as a congregation, we're able to leave this place and go make a pleasant stand for Christ in our city and in the marketplace. And I say, that's risky. Yes, it is. But you know what? You can have that in your own personal life as well. And you need to take a risk now. The truth is, God wants you to win. He doesn't want you to be a loser. There's nothing in the scriptures that says God wants you to lose. No, no, it's not there. He wants you to win. So as a result of that, here's the big questions again. What is the risk that you're supposed to take? Why are you not taking that risk? And what reward might you be missing? Because winning comes from taking a risk. And God wants you to be a victor in the war. He, he doesn't send you into battle to watch you lose so that the angels and him in heaven can sit up there and go, oh, let's turn on the reality show again. <laughs> look, look at Tim Woody. There he goes again. Let's watch him lose. Oh, too bad. Ha, ha, ha. That was funny. No, 
Wow, he wants you to have victory in the war. But victory comes when you take a what? Risk. So what risk are you supposed to take? Why aren't you taking it? And what reward might you be missing? Because victory in the war starts with taking a risk. And God wants you to receive a reward. God, God's, you know God is into rewards? That's kind of a big deal for him. In fact, he is planning what I would consider to be, I'm sure you would consider this as well, the ultimate reward, and it's called heaven, and it's massive, and he wants you to receive that reward for your risk as you pursue that destiny and as you walk out your purpose. So what is the risk you're supposed to take? Why aren't you taking it, and what reward might you be missing because you're staying put? God wants you to receive a reward. I, I like it. I like what Paul says. Paul says this. He says, we are more than conquerors through him who loves us. Now, I, I like that I mean, because Paul could have said we are conquerors, but no, he said more than conquerors. You're, you're not just a conqueror. You're more. See, because and, and one of the things I like about conquerors are conquerors are not losers. And when you're more than a conqueror, that means you're more than just a winner. I, I like to think of it as when David went out to meet Goliath, and he, he just went out with the shepherd's staff and some stones and a sling, and, and he said, you know what, I beat the lion and I beat the bear, so who is this Philistine who mocks the armies of God? I'm going to conquer you. I'm going to triumph over you. And you know the story. David killed the giant, and then the cool part is he goes over and picks up the giant's big sword and cuts his head off. Yeah, he did. He did. And, and then he picks his head up and runs around with it. Ah! <laughs> Ugly? Yeah. Cool? I'm sorry. It is very cool because that is being more than a conqueror. You guys get it? <laughs> the scripture tells us that that's what we're supposed to do. God wants us to always triumph. So if that's the case, if the scriptures are actually telling the truth and not lying, then what is the risk that you're supposed to take? Why are you not taking that risk and what reward might you be missing? I don't want you to live a life of regret. When with God on your side, it's time to take that risk. And some of you, though, you've already stepped out into that risk. And here's what you know. You're saying it's tough. Yeah, it is. And it can also feel very intimidating. And your circumstances might actually look worse now than they did before you stepped out into the risk. And that's exactly how I felt one year into city life. Like, oh my goodness. <laughs> and the truth is, it may not even look like you're winning now, but you will win in the end because God always, always, always has the last word. The enemy, he can't take away your destiny. The enemy cannot undo your purpose. The enemy cannot steal your gifts and he can't remove your anointings. Wow, I'm getting excited having free hands here, man, slapping and doing all kinds of stuff. Because what the enemy does is something different. He creates annoyances all around you to attempt to stop you in your tracks out of fear. Here's what I don't want to say. Don't stop. Be wise. Be bold because you only lose if you quit. I know some of you say, oh, Pastor Tim, Tim, you're talking about risk, but I can't take risk right now because I need to find a man to marry, or I need to finish school, or I need to move up in the company. I, 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 me, 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 you know. Oh, wrong, 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 wrong. That's the wrong direction to look because the risk taking is actually constant and there are new opportunities all the time. 
really the biggest risk is, is, is summed up in these words right here. It is seeking God's kingdom first. That's what was even shared up here a minute ago. It means putting God's ways first in your private life, in your, uh, in your business, putting God's ways into your family and into your public life. It means that your life is not duplicitous. Cool word, right? You don't have to live with separate versions of yourself. That is not God's plan of your life, where you have the church version, you know, then the business version, and then you have the family version where it's like, ah, and then you have, have the, the public version, which is like, hey, everybody, you know, I'm going to put more pictures up on Facebook of how cool my life is, and, and then you have your private version where you don't want anybody to see. I mean, come on, God doesn't want you to have a life like that. See, when you make Christ's ways your ways in all you do, that is actually the beginning of risky living, and it's the foundation of it. And it's going to drive you to make some changes. It's going to cause you to change the way you spend your leisure time. It's going to change some of the dynamics of how you deal with relationships and money. It's going to change how you handle business deals. The way you talk and the way you act is going to shift and change. And I'm telling you guys, though, the rewards are massive. And you're going to begin finding yourself walking in your purpose as you go down that road. Jesus said this, seek my kingdom first. And then all these other things that you need, that you strive for, that you want, that, that you got to have, they're going to be given to you. So if, if that's the truth, then what is the risk that you're supposed to take? Why aren't you taking it? What reward might you be missing? Live risky for Jesus and all these things. It worked for David. David was a lowly shepherd, which was really tough because he was, he was also the, the youngest in his family, which is a bad position to be in. And he had the least coveted job in that particular economy at that time of, uh, in the world. And, and all, but all he wanted to do was to please God and to walk in his purpose. That's really what he wanted. And he'd already actually, a lot of people don't know this, he had been anointed king in a private ceremony only where his dad and his brothers were present. But no one knew he had been anointed king. It wasn't public knowledge. But he knew his destiny, but he had not yet stepped into his purpose until a catalytic event. He saw a giant taunting God's people when he was out delivering bread and cheese to his brothers on the front lines of a battle. He gets out there and looks at this and he says, What's my reward? You realize that's the first question he asked? What's my reward? The king says, well, the reward is this. You get 100% lifetime tax exemption. Awesome. Who would not want that? I like that. And he also says you get to marry my daughter and become part of the royal family. It's like, whoa. So he said, good reward. I'm going to get risky here. And he stepped into his purpose that day when he slew Goliath. He pleased God, he pleased the nation, he pleased Saul, and he got himself a wife, the king's daughter with no taxes. Pretty nice deal, right? Now, I, want, I just want to throw this as a side note. You might try to understand what a king's daughter would be like. Please understand, getting a king's daughter for a wife is not the same as having like a president's daughter for a wife. Yeah, you might think, well, Jenna and Barbara Bush or Malia and Natasha Obama, um, Chelsea Clinton, 
Um, for my generation, Amy Carter. Oh no, I mean, oh, oh no. You think of those as potential wives? Oh no, I, I was deeply troubled when Amy Carter was there at the White House because she was my age. I thought that was just flat out scary. Ah. That's not the equivalent, okay? So, so it's, it's something very, very different. It would have been a really, really awesome thing. But if God takes care of people who take risks like that, so I want to ask you, what is the risk you're supposed to take? Why aren't you taking it? And what reward might you be missing? Because David, he actually received his even reward of his wife and all the tax freedom as he just began stepping into his purpose. He walked in his purpose, the rewards came. I took a risky move when I was 18. Um, <clears throat> I moved here to the Metroplex away from my family to attend college as I was preparing to be a pastor. And, and like my dad told me to do, I found a church my very first Sunday. And dad said, find a church, stay there, don't leave, and serve however you can. So the second Sunday at that church, I, I told God in, in the service, I said, God, I'll do whatever I am asked. If, in the, if a leader from this church comes to me and asks me to serve in any way, I will do whatever they ask me to do. Three weeks later, I was in church, and sure enough, it happened. I was asked to teach the five-year-old boys Sunday school class. So exciting. What they didn't tell me, see I came from a smaller church background, and what they didn't tell me was there were 40 five-year-old boys. And they liked to run. They had lots of energy. But the truth is, is that serving in children's ministry and organizing these children's program and programs, and then eventually on Sundays I began preaching to hundreds of children every Sunday, that actually became the best training ground for every single thing that I do today. Yet at the same time, it was risky because my college peers, to be quite frank with you, they made fun of me. Because I didn't preach from a pulpit on a stage to adults. I was even criticized that I was wasting my time because the one guy says, you're not even going to get to sit on a platform. But that obviously was meaningful to them. It was embarrassing. People laughed at me. Here's what's even more interesting. <laughs> this is true. My credentialing organization did not honor or recognize preaching to children as being legitimate preaching. I'm totally serious. I'm, hope, I'm sure that's different now. But I, I could not get in enough preaching sessions to qualify for ministerial credentials, even though I could show them that I preached to children approximately 250 sermons a year. They literally told me this. I, I'm totally serious. You need to go to a park, find some adults, and preach to them in the park and do it on 12 different occasions and then that will qualify you to have credentials to be recognized as a minister of the gospel. I'm, I'm totally serious, guys. It's like, what, what's going on here? And so doing children's ministry for eight years is actually kind of a risky move, but the truth is I'm who I am today because of that experience and I don't regret one minute of it. I'm so grateful that I lived risky and I asked God to give me that opportunity to serve however and when that opportunity came by, I'm the first person who asked me to do something, I did it. That came my way in church. The cool thing is is that before I even had my bachelor's degree, I was hired as a full-time pastor at that church and that was pretty amazing because none of these other people that were running around town sitting on platforms were doing anything. They were working at the grocery store still. See, my risk equaled 
reward. And also, in the midst of it all, not searching for a wife, I found my wife in the midst of all of that. And I got married just three months after going on full-time with that ministry job. And I would have to say, she is a king's daughter, you know? So what's the risk you're supposed to take? Why are you not taking it, and what reward might you be missing? And I want you to think of it this way. Jesus actually risked it all, but we get the reward. He went to the cross. He gave up everything, and who gets the reward? Us. We do. His risk equals our reward. See, that's why at City Life, we always keep the cross central to our message because this, it's the ultimate expression of risk equals reward. Jesus even said it himself. He said, the cross, that is my purpose. That is why I'm here. That's my mission on this earth. And then Jesus even told us, he said, whoever wants to save his life, that means be, play it safe and be careful and just, just no, don't want to do anything. You're actually going to lose your life. <laughs> Whoever loses his life for me, in other words, whoever gives his life over to me and lets me use him, he says, they will save their lives. So Jesus was the ultimate risk taker. He died for our sins and he rose from the dead and he did what no one has ever done before nor ever will do. Jesus is our example. Jesus was a man of, of, of courage. He was a man of ingenuity. He was a man of intense adventure. In fact, Jesus had this unwavering belief in this long-term future vision and he knew it was his purpose, and he knew it was his destiny, and risk-taking was part of who he was. And just like it is for him, was for him, and just like it is for us, risk-taking never comes without opposition. Jesus had opposition, we have opposition. But if we're gonna walk in our purpose, this, if, if we want to, if we're really going to have what we dream about, which is this wide-open, spacious life, it will undoubtedly require that we take some risks. Some of you today need to make the decision to step out of what is comfortable, count the cost, and look at what the cost is of status quo, and look at what could potentially be the future reward. I, 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 actually, I actually believe that it's God's will that we have an adventuresome spirit. It's really written all through the scriptures. No person who did nothing was ever honored in the scriptures. So no matter what point of life you're at, it's never too late because nothing is impossible for the one who calls you and the one who promises to walk that journey with you. Here's, here's, a, good, here's a good idea. Start today because water baptism is actually an ideal way to get it going. It's a powerful symbolism. It's a symbolic action that we're actually commanded to do in the scriptures because when you go under the water, this, it, it is an image, it's a story basically of your old life being buried and a new you comes out of the water. It is an outward public profession that, that I'm serving God and it's, it's this way of saying I'm going to, I'm not turning back, I'm taking the ancient path. And when you start walking down that road of purpose and you start taking steps forward, then amazing things begin to happen. And water baptism is actually the public way of saying I'm moving forward. Some of you need to do it today. And like Jed even said a minute ago, it's like, well, you know, we have all the supplies. We have, the, the, we have towels and, and shorts and t-shirts and everything. It's not a big deal. You just leave with your hair a little bit wet. That's it. But you're going to leave impacted and changed because I believe water baptism is more than just a perfunctory act. It is a powerful 
action that makes a difference in our lives. And if you've never been baptized before, or you, you have never really uh, even been meaningfully baptized, it didn't mean something, it was just an act, something you did, there was no symbolism there to it, you need to be baptized. I just encourage you to not leave here today until you do it. You know, a pastor friend of mine recently asked me, he said, Tim, how do you keep going? How do you, how do you keep doing all this? And I said, you know what? The, my secret is I've just found that joy is the way to do it. It's joy is my strength. Joy from the Holy Spirit. <laughs> you know, laugh. Be happy. Laugh at yourself. You know, don't take yourself so seriously. I love it because in the story of Nehemiah, which is the man who was uh, called by God to go and rebuild the walls around ancient Jerusalem, he established a holy day. Now, the word holiday is, actually means holy day. Do you realize that? H-O-L-I-D-A-Y, holy day, holiday. Well, he established a holiday, a holy day, just, just just strained it up. So, okay, we're going to do this. Here's why. It's because the people were beating themselves up. They were wore down. They were getting down on themselves. They were losing energy from all of the work. And then they were doing all these public readings of scriptures. And after all the scriptures were being read, the people started going, oh, we can't measure up to that. We can't do all that. Oh, life is hard. No, no, no. And Nehemiah saw all this and go, wait, 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 wait. You're tired, you're getting wore out, you're actually allowing the scriptures to pull you down instead of build you up. He said, stop everything, time for a holiday. He did. It's all in there, Nehemiah chapter eight. Look at it on the, on the board, that thing, the screen. All right, it says, Nehemiah then said, go and enjoy choice food and sweet drinks. Woo, yeah, it's time for some fun and send some to those who have nothing prepared. Because this day is holy to our Lord. It is a holy day, a holiday. He said, don't grieve. Why? For the joy of the Lord is your strength. Some of you, you need to throw a party. You need to have a feast. You need to give a gift because the joy of the Lord is your strength and you've just been beating yourself up and trying so hard. You need to back off and laugh and have a good time. <laughs> you know? And, and, and when you're strong, that will invigorate you. When you get strong, you're going to find that, that it's so much easier to keep walking forward in your purpose, moving forward in that risk. So, with all that in mind, what is the risk you're supposed to take? Why aren't you taking it and what reward might you be missing? You just need to get together with God and say, God, we're just going to do this as a team effort. Come on, God, let's, let's do it. Because God, listen to this, guys. God works through people. That's his choice. He created the earth on his own. And since then, he's like, I, I want to use people. And that's us. That's me, you. So I want to have some fun with numbers. I, I'm not a numerologist. I'm not into numerology. I think that stuff's kind of cool, but it's way beyond my ability to comprehend. But I do have some little bit of fun with numbers. Take a look at this. Let's, put, let's make me, which is man, six, and put God seven, because actually the Bible does say the number of man is six, the number of God is seven. Cool? Good? Deal? Deal? Okay, we're going to start with that. Something simple. Me, God. Now, I'm going to put this into equation form so that you can see how effectiveness actually works, because when you go at it alone, taking your path, doing what everyone else tells you to do or just kind of like what the culture is going. You're just kind of riding down the river and you're leaving God out of the picture. You are six plus zero. And I have to say that is less than optimal. That's actually, I mean, it really, really stinks. That's a bad way to go. But when you add God to the picture, it changes quite a bit. But it's interesting. If you add God to the picture, God is not really your equal He's not just some 
casual buddy that you hang out with on weekends. So you add God to the picture and it actually turns out to be something kind of scary because six plus seven equals 13. They don't even put the 13th floor into the buildings in, in downtown Fort Worth. That, that right there is kind of scary. I'm not into weirdness on the number 13. I still think it's kind of weird. Six plus seven equals 13. Okay, that's weird. When you try to put God on your level. Now, when you begin to ask God to multiply your efforts, that's actually where it becomes really interesting because no longer are you at six, the number of man, or 13, which is the floor they don't have in buildings. You are six times seven, which is 42. Now, at this point, things begin to get a little bit interesting. And the truth is, a lot of Christians, most Christians live right there. And I'll tell you guys, that's pretty nice. That is pretty nice. I don't want to live there. I, I, I can't accept that. I want to live beyond that because my Bible tells me that I have an exponential God that abides in me and I have the power of God resident in me working in my life so that I can take steps of risks into my purpose. So when I put man, the number of man, but I make God the exponent, the exponential God, slam dunk, that's a big number. That, my friend, is rewarding. That is something you cannot pull off on your own. Six to the seventh power. Tim to the Jesus power. Jesus said you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you are going to go into all the world, and you're going to change the world. Jesus said, said you're going to be able to do greater works than I ever did because the Spirit's going to be in you, and you're going to be empowered with this exponential power. Guys, let's just be real. That makes my heart beat fast. God is our exponent. And when we do what we're best at, and when we do what we're gifted at, God fills in the rest, and it's massive. He fills it in with his exponential power. Exponent power. And don't you love it? They even say, to the seventh power. <laughs> you'll never look at, those of you who deal with math, you'll never look at it the same again. He doesn't just multiply our impact. With all that in mind, I just have three quick questions for you. So what risk are you supposed to take? And you actually know what it is. Why aren't you taking it? And what reward might you be missing because you're just playing it safe? And again, that best step could be water baptism. It could be water baptism today. It's risky. But the reward's awesome. Will you please close your eyes all across this room? I want you to focus internally. If you want to know this Jesus that I'm talking about, you want a clean slate and you're ready to live your life with a renewed sense of purpose, I'm going to give you an opportunity to respond. If you want to be included in my closing prayer, <clears throat> make Jesus Christ the Lord of your life, I want you to simply do one thing for me and say, Pastor, that's me. I want to make Jesus the Lord of my life. I, I want, I, I'm, today I'm going to part with my sin. I, I, I'm turning my back on it. I'm going to take the ancient path. I'm not living for myself anymore. I'm living for Jesus. Would you lift your hand for me and say, that's me, Pastor. Will you pray for me? Just come on, lift your hand. Okay, thank you. Thank you. Who else? You can put your hands down. Who else, guys? Today I want to serve Jesus. I'm going to give my life to Jesus. Okay, if you raise your hand, what I'm going to ask that you do, along with everyone else here in the congregation, I'm going to ask you to pray a prayer with me, and I want you to stand as you do so. Come on, everyone stand. Stand, please. Everyone stand. 
Come on, guys, I want you to pray this prayer with me. Pray it out loud now. Come on, everyone. Dear Jesus, thank you for dying for my sins, and I believe you're the Son of God. Forgive my sins, and I give up my past, and I embrace the ancient path, my destiny and purpose. You are my destiny. In you I find my purpose. Let your exponential power abide in me. In Jesus' name, amen.